Can I accommodate concentrated stock positions as an RIA? That is today's question on the Transition to RIA question and answer series. It is episode number 76. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RIA model. Uh, if you're not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, uh, you can find all of the resources I make available. I have this entire series in video format, uh, podcast format. I have articles, I have white papers. And as I noted, uh, if you're a podcast fan and you're, you're currently maybe watching this in video, if you search for the Transition to RIA podcast on all major podcasting platforms, you will find it. Again, Transition to RIA.com has all of the resources. Okay, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about kind of solving for one of the pieces uh, of the pie, if you will, of, of transitioning your practice to the RIA model. So something I, I point out often to uh, advisors I'm talking to in, 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 in these episodes that in its most simplest form, a, a move to the RIA model to transition your practice to the RIA model and its most simplest uh, form is to say or identify, okay, what do I have available to me now? What is my current firm providing for me now? And how, how will I replicate that on the RIA side? So that might be things like technology or compliance or asset management solutions or whatever the case is. So you want to say, hey, what, what is being provided to me now? How could I replicate that on in the RIA model? And ideally do so for uh, at a lower cost and with more flexibility and all the other reasons advisors make a move, uh, again, into the RA model. So one of those pieces that often has to be solved for is, is for an advisor that or, or team that has some amount of remaining commission business. So obviously, it makes sense if you want to potentially transition your practice to the RA model, you need to be predominantly fee-based or increasingly fee-based with your practice. However, and it's a big misconception... You do not have to be 100% fee-based to be able to move into the RA model. And I've done all kinds of episodes on that for if you, if you want to take a look at that uh, with a deeper dive. Um, and so a common part of the conversation I'm having with advisors is to, is to as, we're, as we're going through their practice, the profile of their practice, what their firm provides for them, is, is to identify, okay, there are you know, some uh, commission assets, if you will, and, and how are we going to solve for that on the RIA side? Uh, and so typically what that comes up is are things like uh, legacy variable annuity positions where maybe the advisor says, you know, hey, I don't, I don't necessarily aspire to do any new variable annuity business, um, but I do have all these positions that make sense for the client to stay in those positions or products um, and it's paying a trail and all those sorts of things. So, so how can we replicate that? Uh, and again, I've done, done other episodes on that. Uh, other examples or another example is like a 529 accounts, 529 plans, those sorts of things. Um, but on a, on a recent conversation, uh, another example came up, and, and I do hear this from time to time in, in this part of the due diligence conversation. Um, it's kind of relevant, and, and that's what this episode is today, is this advisor was explaining uh, they're at an independent broker dealer now, and they're, they've been kind of kicking the can, looking at options, uh, came to me to kind of learn more about the RA space. And I said, well, what have you, where are you on this exploration process? And they, they've already kind of started to look at some other independent broker dealer options. And, and so now they're, you know, kind of learning more about the RA space. And so as I dove into their practice, where it come to find out that they're overwhelmingly fee-based 
and the and they don't have these these variable annuity positions. They don't have these five twenty nine positions. The only thing that's kind of in a commission account at their current firm are concentrated stock positions. They have a few clients that have very large concentrated stock positions. As the advisor, they're not actively managing that. That same client also or clients also have you know more more uh, diversified assets that are in a fee based account that the advisor is managing those assets. And, and but but as an accommodation essentially because it's part of the client's net worth they say hey we have this concentrated stock position maybe the plan is to slowly sell it down over time maybe the plan is to not maybe it's just to hold it for forever kind of thing uh, and so the client uh, the advisor has that in a in a commission account so it can just sit there and, and that's the only reason they're using commission accounts and so I I asked I said well why are you why are you when you're essentially almost all fee based except for these concentrated stock positions why are you Looking at other independent broker dealers, you're you're effectively 100% fee only for the most part. So why are you not looking more in the, in the RA model? Again, it, it, he came to me, and, and so he's kind of expanding that. But his answer, the reason he's looking at other independent broker dealer channels or firms, uh, is because he thought he had to because of these concentrated stock positions. He said, "Yeah, but I I have to have that commission account where I can just put the put the asset in there." Um, and, and so he thought that's the only way, again, he could replicate it uh, uh, under a new path. And so what I'm going to talk about today is what I talked about him is know that there are options to accommodate that more solely in that RIA model approach. And, and so a, a challenge he has now and many advisors have now is, you know, the question is, well, why, why is it currently in a commission account? And the reality is because if he were to move it into a fee-based account at his current firm, his current firm requires a certain minimum fee that he as the advisor has to charge on a fee-based account. So while there might be discount and allowed, there is a minimum that says, okay, you cannot charge less than X. Um, and it doesn't make sense because this is just a concentrated stock position. It's just sitting there. He doesn't desire to charge on it. Um, but if he were to move into a fee-based account, he's required to charge on it. Uh, other scenarios you might see is even if the firm was okay with the advisor waiving their piece, uh, firms, uh, particularly independent broker-dealer firms, typically have uh, some sort of quote-unquote platform fee that are charged on in all advisory accounts and it's in basis points. So again, if he were to put the stock positions into a fee-based account, even if he wanted to waive his fee, there's still these basis points that have to be charged. Again, it, it doesn't make sense for the advisor. It doesn't make sense for the client. So hence, he's got them in this commission account just sitting there. And in the rare situation or occasional situation that he does a sale, yes, there is a transaction makes a commission. That's not what he's in it for. The reason it's there is just because he, he can't put it into a fee-based account where he is now. So he thought he had to do that exact same thing if he were to continue on the path. And that's why he was predominantly only looking at uh, independent broker-dealer type situations. And so what I want to talk about this episode is, okay, no, there is a way to potentially solve for that in the RA space. And so I'll give you an example of how that can be done. So this same advisor who's otherwise, besides these concentrated stock positions, is otherwise entirely fee-based or fee-only. So he could either start his own RA or potentially join an RIA. I've done a number of episodes on that. Um, but we'll, we'll just say he starts his own RIA. Uh, and he that same client that has the, the more diversified assets, yes, he opens a fee-based account for, for those assets and, and manages them however it is his, his style is or the service that he's providing for the client. But then he also has the ability to open up a separate fee-based account. And, I, and you'll understand why I would say it's separate from those other assets. 
And but he's going to do two things with that separate account. First, he's got a he's got a, a market is it's a non-discretionary account. He's going to make that clear with the client that hey, this separate account, which by the way, we're going to put the concentrated stock position into two two things. One, it's a non-discretionary account. So just if you're not aware in the RIA space, you are allowed to have discretionary accounts and non-discretionary accounts. Now, the overwhelming number of RIAs out there, the bulk, if not all of their assets are discretionary assets. And RIA has the ability to, uh, uh, to manage the assets in that regard. And typically they do uh, use discretion, um, but you do have the ability to also arrange and you have to, you have, it has to be kind of uh, solidified in, in the advisor agreement with the client. So, okay, this account is a non-discretionary account. Um, and by the way, in your ADV of an RIA, any RIA, if you look at part one, there's a breakdown that says how much assets the RIA has in total, and then specifically even has to break down how much of that is discretionary assets and how much is non-discretionary. So again, if you look at most firms' ADVs, it's almost entirely in that discretionary bucket, but there are reasons, uh, and, and this today's example is, is one of those of why you might also want to have non-discretionary assets. So back to our example, you would open that second account, you would put the concentrated stock position in that, you'd make it clear to the client that's non-discretionary because if that if the goal is for it to just sit there, that's what the client indicates they want to do with it, you don't want, if it was marked as discretionary, you could have some implied responsibility that if the market started going down, no matter what the client previously told you about wanting to hold the position, that maybe you, you or arguably they could attempt to claim, oh, you should have went ahead and sold as the market was declining, you had discretion on the account and you, you didn't use the discretion. So you'd wanna protect yourself and say, okay, no, it's, it's non-discretionary. So that's, that's the first variable. And then the second variable is simply don't bill on it. You don't, as an RIA, you do not have to bill on an account. And in, in fact, by default, when you open quote unquote fee-based accounts in the RIA space, by default, there is no fee. And unless you institute some mechanism to actually charge the fee to the client, by default, it would otherwise just sit there. So in this example, the way you can solve for a concentrated, concentrated stock position is simply to open up a, a separate account. I, I, it's much more cleaner than trying to somehow put that into a, the account or accounts that have the more diversified assets that you are actively managing. Uh, and again, market is non-discretionary and, and market is often referred to as non-billable. Just simply don't bill on it. And effectively, you he has, if he does that, he has created what he has now uh, in the in the commission account where the asset is just sitting there and there might be occasional transactions. Now, it kind of comes back to, okay, if he does that, how is the advisor, will, will he be paid for doing anything with that concentrated stock position? Because right now, even though he's not necessarily, that's not the main part of his revenue stream from that client, yes, he is getting some sort of commissions from the occasional uh, sale of stock that that might be happening as that as that client maybe diversifies that asset over time. Uh, so you do have some creativity. So if you were to set this up, you could simply say, "Hey, instead, I'm I'm just with our with your other assets over here. I'm going to raise my fees slightly to to make up for you know the the work I have to do occasionally on this concentrated stock position when you want to do sales, and then maybe we we shift the money somewhere else or whatever the case is." Or you could simply, because you have the creativity available to you in the RIA space, you could you could say something to the degree of, "Hey, uh, client, I'm going to charge you a flat, you know, whatever amount would be appropriate, twenty five hundred dollars a year." Uh, and in that, that's that's for this particular account with a concentrated stock position. 
And as you want to do sales, uh, you you call me up you, or we work through this together. We will do the transactions. There is no commission for me in that. And in, in fact, because most uh, uh, trades, equity trades have gone to zero at custodians, is, there's not even likely to be a transaction charge in it, perhaps. It depends on how big the position is. If it's a super large uh, trade, that might be a little different. But basically, as the advisor, I'm not making any money. So I'm just going to charge you maybe a flat 2500 and we'll do transactions throughout the year just as we have been. And, and we'll then I'll move the assets like, like whatever is the plan at that point uh, upon the, the sale. So you have some flexibility if you still want to get paid or you might even say, you know what, that's, that's, that's just an accommodation of the client. I make my revenue over here with their more diversified assets and all the services I provide. So I don't even need to worry about making money with that, that concentrated stock position. So that is available to you. Again, you have that creativity. Now, along the lines of, of you might be asking, okay, how you as the advisor get paid, keep in mind what this means to the custodian as well. So if you have essentially just a concentrated stock position sitting on a custodial platform, and, and quite frankly, it's the same uh, at the broker dealer, um, and it's just sitting there, and it might be sitting there for years, and at best, there's occasional transactions, which by the way, I noted custodians typically aren't even charging in most instances for an equity trade. That's essentially dead assets to the custodian. They, they have no way of generating revenue from that asset. It is just sitting there. Now, they might uh, very, they, they, they generally are very willing to accommodate this arrangement if everything else you bring to the table makes it worth their while to have the relationship. So in an extreme example, if you have, we'll just make up numbers, if you have uh, 100 million in, in AUM and you go to a custodian that has a 100 million AUM minimum to work with them, but it turns out 50 million of the of your 100, or, or we could do a more extreme example, 70 million is one client's concentrated stock position, the custodian will have to factor that into the potential relationship because they are going to make no revenue off of that concentrated stock position. Uh, if you want to dive, by the way, deeper into how custodians make revenue, I did an earlier episode on that as well. Uh, deep dive on all the, the different the levers that custodians have to generate revenue. But in this case, that's that's a dead asset. So as as is always the case, if you are looking to uh, uh, get a clearing arrangement, as they say, with a custodian, that custodian will do, while you do your due diligence in the custodian, the custodian would do due diligence on your practice to make sure it's going to be a profitable relationship with the custodian. And so they will ask for a breakdown of your assets and to understand it. So just know that that's essentially, it's it's not a bad thing. It just is what it is from an economic standpoint. That's essentially a dead asset for the custodian. So if you have 500 million uh, total assets and you and you have 30 million in concentrated stock positions, that's that's not going to be an issue because, because the remainder of that assets is likely to be very profitable for the custodian. But again, extreme case, if you had 100 million and half of that is this essentially dead asset of concentrated stock positions, the custodian absolutely is gonna to have to factor that into whether that still makes sense for them to be able to do a relationship with you. So just something to think about from both sides, how you as the advisor might be able to generate revenue and just to be cognizant of what that means or, or doesn't mean in this case uh, to a custodian. Uh, so the, the, just, to, just to wrap up, hopefully this has been just an example of the flexibility of the RIA model we're, we're unlike a, a large broker dealer firm where you, you have likely very much more stringent policies or rules or your firm says you can or can't do anything. 
you generally have the ability to be much more creative on how to solve for things on the RA side. So again, this idea of, hey, wow, we could put this in a separate account. We could market as non-discretionary. We could not bill on it if we want to. If we want to generate revenue, we could charge them a flat fee of whatever we negotiate with them. Again, that is typical of the RA model, the increased flexibility you have uh, to, to make these sorts of business decisions of how you can service clients, how you can accommodate clients. Uh, one of the big advantages of the RIA model. Uh, so with that, like I said, my name is Brad Wales with Transition to RIA. Uh, having this kind of conversation is something I do with advisors all day long of, again, at its most basic form of saying, what does your practice look like now? What's the profile of your practice? What services are you currently being provided by your firm? And what would that look like on the RA side? And how would we build that out and make that workable for you? Uh, that is the typical kind of conversation of should you be looking at the, the uh, transition into the RA model? Typical conversation I have every single day. Uh, so the, to get started, if you're not already there, again, head to transitiontoria.com. Again, you can find all the resources I put out, the videos, podcasts, articles, white papers. Uh, and at the top of every page is a contact link. Just click on that and you can instantly and easily schedule a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me to get started, whether you want to talk about today's topic or anything else RIA related. I'm happy to have that conversation with you. Again, transitiontoria.com. And with that, I hope you found value in today's episode and I'll see you on the next one.